Did you bring your Bibles this morning? All right, let's make our declaration. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. And I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you today for your love and your grace in our lives. I thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, today we open our hearts as we remember the life you've given for us. And we come just to say, Jesus, help us to remember, to honor you, to always sanctify you and set our lives apart unto you. Lord, today, let us know the value of what we receive through your life and your sacrifice. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 26 and... Uh, this morning, we're going to turn things around. We're going to receive communion at the end of service, but I wanted to share this message with you on that. And we've been ministering the last few weeks, as I've been ministering on. We had a great time last week with Sister Portia, but uh, I've been talking about towels or titles, about being the servant of the Lord, and how Jesus, and especially right here in this time, that after the meal, after he had, had just instituted the, the remembrance of giving his body and shedding his blood for us and the new covenant that we have with him, he got up from the table and began to wash the feet of the disciples. So not only was he given his life completely for them willing to die and become a sacrifice and an offering for us, he was going to the next level and now serving at a level that nobody else even considered going to. Amen. Because that level of service to get up and wash the feet of someone else at that time, that was the lowest place of servanthood that you could be. You were the lowest of the lowest servant if you were the foot washer. So Jesus took that position and he said in John 13, as we've been looking, I've given you example. And he said, blessed are you if you know these things and you do them. In other words, we live like that. So there's something about giving our life for others and serving others that is a key to the kingdom of God really operating in our lives. Amen? And so we've been learning that. But this morning, I just want to talk to you looking at everything going on in our world. How many know our, our, our world is kind of stuck on stupid right now? Everything about our world is just crazy right now. And so it's so important. So the title of this message this morning is Living Backwards in a Forward World. It's amazing for how smart we think we are, how really uh, unintelligent we are in things that we do. So many different things going on. And so it's so important that we learn that. And when it comes to this, this morning the title of this message is also the Trinity of Truth. So in Matthew chapter 26, in verse 26, <clears throat> it says, While they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant. Somebody say new covenant. The blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sin. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. If you would go with me to Matthew chapter 4, and, uh, which is also uh, it's referenced from Deuteronomy chapter 8. But in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus, when being confronted by the devil and tempted by the devil in the wilderness, he makes this declaration. I'm also having him turn to Deuteronomy 8. We'll read that real quickly. But uh, verse 3, it says, Now when the tempter came to him, 
He said, if you are the Son of God, command that the stone should become bread. But Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Deuteronomy, if you want to turn over there, chapter 8 and verse 3. says this, so the Lord humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, which, which you did not know, nor your fathers know, that he might make you know, that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. In John chapter 6, Jesus said this, I am the living bread. In John 6, Jesus said, Your fathers ate the manna that came down from heaven, but I am the living bread of heaven. Amen? He declared he, was, he had living water to give, and he declared he was living bread. So look at your outline with me as we go through this this morning. We need a God who can still save. How many would agree? A God who can still save, heal, and deliver. One who will protect, provide, and fulfill his promises to his people. The God who is bigger than any sickness and disease, any test or trial, any storm or recession, any virus, problem, or person you may face in life. How many know we just need a big God? Amen. He and we serve a big God. He's a great God. He's a glorious God. He's the God who's always called his people, though, to return to him, or in other words, to live backward, being rooted, grounded, and established, and planted in the truth that never changes in an ever-changing world. Being anchored to God is being anchored to the truth that is the sure rock of foundation in our life. He's the God who says, return to me, remember me, and seek me. Return to me and to the faith of your fathers. Remember me and, I, and all I have done for you. Seek me and watch what I will do through you. But our world is so bent on moving forward into the latest and greatest, reshaping and redefining the very morals and values of the foundations of life and truth. Look at the crazy things that are being established and being declared for, to, to be accepted, reshaping and tearing down every foundation of life and truth. I like what Vance Havner said, a great old fire preacher. He just says this, when the average man thinks of a Christian, he thinks of churches and choirs and preachers and prayer, laws and Puritan restriction. Few think of Christians as the greatest of all miracles. Think about this, a sinner saved by the blood of Christ, sustained by the bread of Christ and aflame with the heavenly fire of the Holy Ghost. I mean, that's what we're called to be. So look inside your outline. We need to move back to the basics of our faith and the faith. Paul said that he was the defender of the faith. And that's what we're standing on, the same faith that was in the other. Paul reminded Timothy, he says, I'm reminded of the faith that was in your mother and in your grandmother. We hand down the faith from generation to generation. Not a new faith, the faith. Amen the same faith. Praise the Lord. So let's talk about this as we get ready. We're going to talk about the blood. We're going to talk about the bread. And then we're going to talk about the fire. Hallelujah. Amen. Some of you need to get scorched a little bit. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So watch that. The Christian life is, first of all, an experience of blood. 
To become a Christian, you have to experience the power of the blood of Christ. If not for the shedding of blood, there could be no remission or forgiveness of sin. The Bible declares that His blood... <clears throat> declare that we're, we are redeemed in Ephesians 1. We're redeemed through his blood. 1 Peter 1.18, we are redeemed with precious blood, not silver and gold. Acts 20 and 28 declares that he purchased the church by his blood. Matthew 26 and verse 8, Jesus declared his blood is the ground of forgiveness, for it was shed for the remission of sin. Romans 5.9, it is the grounds of our justification. Matthew, uh, excuse me, Colossians 1.20, it is the ground for our peace, for our, for our peace with God was made through the blood of his son. Ephesians 2.13 tells us, by his blood we now have access to God, for we were afar off, but are now made nigh by the blood. The blood gives us access and gives us that close proximity and relationship, reconciled and restored with the Father. Ephesians 10.19 and 4.16 tells us, through his blood we now have bold access to the throne of grace. By virtue of the blood we're qualified to go in. How many know you need a security clearance to get into some places. Yeah. Amen. You need a security clearance to get into heaven. Need a serious security clearance to enter in the presence of God. Your security clearance, your, your, your badge of acceptance is the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. First John chapter 1 verse 7 tells us that his blood provides daily cleansing from our sins as we confess and forsake them to walk in the light as he is in the light. His blood cleanses us from all sin and unrighteousness. You see, this is the way of the cross. That's what the cross is all about. We, need, we can't ever get where we forget the cross. There's one reason I leave that cross there all the time. I never want to forget the cross of my Savior. I never want to forget the price that was paid. I never want to forget what that declared, not only to me, but to the whole world and all of creation, to all principalities and power. Whenever the devil rises up and brings an accusation against you, just go, because Colossians says every handwriting of ordinance that was against you was nailed to his cross. Amen. He took it to the cross for us and fulfilled the requirement that was against it. This is the way. I don't know about you. I, maybe you saw it again, but I always crack up. I hear little phrases at different times, and it clicks things in my head. But how, how many, I don't want to, well, I will. How many watch The Mandalorian? This is the way. Amen? So if you didn't watch the man of the Lord, you don't even know what I'm talking about. But for six of us that did, this is the way. Amen? Hallelujah. And then soon I watched it. There's another little guy in there. He's a cool little guy. He, he, he just would say, I have spoken. I love that. I have spoken. We look at each other. I have spoken. <laughs> Amen. So watch it. But this is the way of the cross. The blood is the way of the cross. Now listen, and it is foolishness to natural man. Natural man doesn't get it. When you try to explain that, your natural man can't comprehend it. The things of God are spiritually discerned. You have to open your heart to God and allow God to speak to your heart, not to your head. Hallelujah. But whether we like it or not, it is the declaration of God's word that says, when I see the blood, I will pass over. This is not to be taken lightly. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 10. How important is the blood? How significant is it? And this is why this morning before we partake of communion, I wanted you to hear this message this morning. Because sometimes we, we get just a little too casual with God. Amen. 
just a little too light and just a little too just casual. The nicest way I could say it. But I want you to listen. It's Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 29. It says this. Of how much worse punishment. Well, let's just back up just a little bit. Verse 26. For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and a fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anybody have that on your refrigerator? Don't put verses like that on our refrigerator. Verse 28. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. This is verse 29. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose he will be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the Spirit of grace. Paul, I believe the writer of the Hebrews, is saying here, the blood is sacred stuff. And how I approach God, how I understand what it means to have Him shed His blood to make me clean. And then to just take that lightly and live and conduct my life any way I want and think that that's okay. And I'm not doing despite to that. It's, it, we, that's why Paul says, when you come to take communion, that's why the Bible instructed, Paul instructed the church of Corinth to examine ourselves. The great thing is, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. But if, I, if I'm just self-justified and I think I never have to confess, man, I confess on a daily basis. Yeah. Amen. If I was a Catholic, man, I'd wear a, a, a dude out. <laughs> Amen. I, they'd give me my own booth. <laughs> I'd have my, yours is right here. We, 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 you, <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So think about it. The blood is not a common thing. The first phase of the Christian life, though, is to experience the blood. We have to experience the cleansing, redeeming, justifying power of God's blood applied to our hearts. Amen? But then secondly, the blood is followed by the bread as we read. The Christian life begins with the blood of the slain lamb applied to the doorpost of our heart and continues on the strength of Christ, the Passover feast. And it feeds upon him by faith. Think about this. The blood must be followed by the bread. For except we eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, we have none of his life. John 6, that's what Jesus said. And that's what made the multitude. Jesus told the multitudes. He declared that. And the whole multitude, man, this is too much. And they just went away. It was too much to hear. You see, by partaking of the bread, we receive his wholeness in place of our brokenness. It's so good. Go with me to Isaiah 53. Are you doing all right? Isaiah chapter 53. Look there in your Bibles with me. There's a reason we print out outlines. There's a reason we ask you to bring your Bibles and read. We want you to know this for yourself. 
You, you can't war on what somebody else knows. You can't win by what somebody else knows. You have to know it yourself, and you have to have it in your heart. Look at Isaiah 53, beginning in verse 4, if you will. We just read verses 4 and 5. Surely he has what? Born our grief, he carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgression, he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. So through everything he experienced, being broken, being wounded, taking the full penalty and the judgment of our sin and our transgression, we are now made whole through his brokenness. And when Jesus said, this is my body being broken for you, and through my brokenness, you become a partaker. If you'll receive it, you receive wholeness back. Amen. Isn't God good? Hallelujah. So Christ, is, is in, Christ in all his fullness must be appropriated by faith in our lives for every need. The time to feed upon Christ is now. Today is the day of salvation. Many times people would just get caught up in life and we're going. Then we come up against a trial. People go, isn't there a scripture somewhere in there that could help me? Amen. Amen. You need to be feeding on the word all the time, not just when you're up against a challenge. Praise the Lord. So how do we feed upon the bread of life? John 6, 63, through the Spirit, for the flesh profits nothing, Jesus said. The words that he spoke to us, they are spirit and they are life. These are words written on a printed page. But this is a living book. This is the bread of life. The Word of God is the bread of life. And when I'm partaking of His Word, I'm receiving His life. The same as I'm receiving nourishment, you're going to have lunch today, and that food's going to go into your body, and that food is going to be transformed. Your body's going to draw the nourishment for life out of that food. When we take the bread of life into us, the life that it contains gets assimilated into our spirit and into our bodies, and it's our strength and the source of our life. Can you say amen? We have to apply it the same way. To feed upon him is to read and to heed. Say it with me. Read and heed. Okay, try it again. Read and heed. <laughs> Amen. But, but to, it, it means to hear and obey. To hear and to do. To just mentally ascend. Just to, Yeah, I believe the word of God is true. I just don't do it. Amen. That's a contradiction. I have to hear the word and I have to do the word. Praise the Lord. Or to obey his words. It's, it is to hear and to keep his commandment. Jesus said it real clear. If you love me, then you keep my word and my commandment. If you love me, then you keep that. Hallelujah. John 15 and verse 7, Jesus spoke and he says, If we abide in him and his words abide in us, then we shall ask what we will and it shall be done for us. So in order for the word to abide, it must be something that is taken into our lives. The word has to be something that for it to abide there, it has to be taken in. If you really look up the, the word abide in the Greek, it means this, to, 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 to enter in, to move in, to settle down, and take up residence in. The word of God has to take up residence in my heart. It has to live within me. Praise the Lord. Many Christians who have experienced the safety of the blood do not correspondingly know, as they should, the strength of the bread. The Word of God is our strength. What do you stand upon? I stand, knowing the Word, man, I can stand. Things are happening. Man, I'm just standing on the Word. 
I'm just going to stay there. God, I know what your word says. I'm not going to be moved by anything else. I don't, I'm not moved by what I see. When we quote 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7 says we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith can only be based upon the word. It can't be based on feelings, on emotion. Those things go like this. But the word of God is constant. It's consistent. It is a rock. It makes my life immovable. Amen. No matter what's going on around me, that's how you have peace in the storm. That's how you're calm in, in challenges and trials. Praise God. So it is the strength of the bread. The blood makes us safe, but the bread makes us strong and whole. Isn't it amazing that Jesus presented to this way? Here's my, my, the bread for strength, and here's the blood for cleansing and redemption and reconciliation and everything else. It's your key to the covenant. This together gives us our covenant with God. Hallelujah. Amen. So the Christian life, though, <coughs> we have to be people of the word. The Christian begins his life in Christ by coming under the blood for salvation and continues by the blood for daily cleansing. And he lives by the bread for daily food, strength, and wholeness. I know this is Christianity 101, but sometimes we forget 101. Sometimes we need to be reminded. I saw a cartoon today. It was kind of crazy, but there was a guy. He, he was on his bed, and really, really old guy, and he's laying there on his bed, and, and he's passed away. His whole family is around him. It's kind of a crazy cartoon. I have a pretty weird sense of humor. He's laying there, and, and he, goes, <laughs> he goes, well, it's your time. You're not going to live any longer. And he goes, hallelujah, I made it through life without ever having used algebra. You may, <laughs> you may never use algebra, but you're going to need to use the Word of God. Amen. Amen. There's a lot of things that have been sown into your life, and you're educated that you need to know and need to have this to be successful in life. But I tell you, there's one thing that you will always need, and you will always be required to use, and that's God's Word in our lives. Amen? So think about this, though. So we, we go on to that. That's our strength. That's our wholeness. But the Christian life is not complete with the blood and the bread. There must be the experience of the fire of the Holy Spirit or the fire of Pentecost. Now, I want to just share this with you. You know, we, we sing songs. A lot of times we sing songs, but we sing songs that we never make application of them in our life even. We read the Word, but we're, we're singing a song that we really don't live out the application of that song. How many know the song, Consuming Fire? Come like a consuming fire. We said, set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more. I want more. More of what? More fire. Oh, probably not. Probably not. Because if you understand the nature of fire, then you understand what fire does. And you understand what you're asking God to do in your life. See, we must have more than a song. We must have the reality. You see, the baptism of fire is a baptism of transformation. Whatever is placed in fire is consumed by its nature. We have, we, we, we have a wood stove at home. We heat, primarily heat our house with, with an insert wood stove. And it's amazing. Every log I put in there, every piece of wood I put in there doesn't stay wood. It just doesn't, it, it's not allowed to stay what it was when it went in. It becomes the fire. Amen. Whatever is placed in fire is consumed by its nature and transformed into the nature of the fire. What was put in there now does what fire does, not what it did, 
before it went in, it does what fire does. What does fire do? Fire illuminates. Fire makes warmth and glows. Fire imparts energy. Fire spreads. Nothing spreads like fire. Fire reveals, fire refines, and fire consumes. Being a boy, we like to play with fire. You take boys camping, what's the first thing they want to do? Put, build a fire and put stuff in it. Amen? So watch. Fire, paper, Holy Ghost, Christian. I'm going to be in the fire. Oh, I love God. I don't want to be changed. Oh, God, you're a consuming fire. Fill it up. Oh, no, no, don't fill it up. Oh! Help. I'm trying. Help. Well, I want to get close to God. I just want to know Him, but I don't want to be changed. I don't want my nature, my character changed. So we hang out. How close can I get? Oh, I got too close. And then we go, okay, that's enough, God. That's cool. I remember that one time. I remember that one time. See, I got a one-time mark. I got close to God. And then I started praying again. That was close. I almost lost my identity. Wait a minute. It's still smoldering. Look at Paul said, Timothy, fan to a flame the gift that is in you. Let God become a consuming fire in your life. So something in us has to do more than sing it. Amen? Something in us, it has to be more than a song. Look at this. These early Christians had come under the blood, had fed upon the bread of life for over three years, yet Jesus directed them to tarry until they were fire baptized. The blood makes us safe from sin. The bread makes us strong. But more is needed for victorious Christian living and witnessing. Unfortunately, thousands of believers fall short of a, with a pre-Pentecostal experience. They've been taught that a personal knowledge of Christ is all that anyone needs. That's true as to salvation. Yet the point is overlooked that these believers knew Christ but were instructed by him personally to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. Go with me to Luke chapter 24. This is so important. A few weeks we talked to you before about the law of first mention and the last name. We began teaching about uh, this on the servant of the Lord and the last thing Jesus said. The last thing someone says in departing, the first time someone is mentioned, gives us that ground rule for, for precedent in that. But listen to what Jesus said. One of the last instructions that he gives his disciples in Luke 24. Behold, I send the promise of my Father, how? Upon you, verse 49, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. The word endued there means to be clothed with. 
If you, if, you, if you define that word, it means to be clothed. How many ever read a word? I'll be reading books and somebody will use a word, especially if you read backwards a little bit, back to the early 1900s and stuff, and people use different words there. So I go up, I have to, what is that word? If you, if you read Oswald Chambers in his daily devotional, My Utmost First High, he uses word, and I get to go, what, do, what does he mean by that word? So I have to go define it, find out what it means. And sometimes when we read the word, we, it's important that we get the definition of what God is saying. The word endued here means, means to be clothed, to put upon. It, 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 mean, it means to have, it, have oil poured on, rubbed in, smeared in, not to take internally. It, it's an anointing upon you. Jesus said when he was baptized by the river Jordan, the Spirit of God descended upon him, anointing upon him. And then he said in Luke 4, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel. The anointing of God upon it. This is what Jesus is telling his disciples. You need more than my life in you. You need my anointing upon you. If you're going to deliver me, you need the anointing that comes upon you. I'm going to the Father. He says to his disciples, it's important for you to know, I'm going to my Father. If I don't go, he won't come. The Holy Spirit won't come. But if I go to the Father and I bring my body and my blood and I present the sacrifice, then my sacrifice for you now brings you and you accept that and you become a partaker of the blood and the bread. You are now back, brought back into a place where God can now place his spirit upon you. My body and my blood will qualify you to become a candidate for the anointing of God. You're now made alive, born again, made alive unto God, clean and redeemed. And now God can place his spirit upon you. So it says expedient for you. And if I go, then he will come and he will be upon you and you will be my witnesses, not by your own strength. I love God. He never asks us to do anything for ourselves when it comes to our relationship with that. He does everything for us. He says, I'm giving my life for you. I'm empowering you. I want you to minister for me, but I'm going to put my spirit in you and I'm going to be the one that's flowing through you. I'm going to place my gifts in you. I'm going to do you with my power. I'll even pray through you for you. I'm not super smart, but I can figure it out. That's a good thing. God is on my side. God is working on my behalf. Amen? Now, now watch this. I smell smoldering Christian. <laughs> Hallelujah. Awesome. Awesome. Somebody's about to go up in flames. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't it amazing when, 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 when there's a fire in the forest, they don't say, go put the trees out? We need to go put all those trees out. No, they say go put the fire out. When something's out, you don't say, oh, let's go put this out. Go put that out. Go put the paper out. Whatever it might be. No, you say put the fire out. Because whatever gets in the fire has become the fire. Are you doing all right? It's taking on the nature of the fire. So think about it. It's true. That Pentecost came historically once for all, just as Calvary did. If the worship team will come back. But each believer must appropriate the blood and the word or the bread by faith. And each believer must receive by faith the baptism and power of the Spirit. Go with me to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 14 says this. 
or verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become, as we read, a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs upon a tree. He who knew no sin became same for us. Why? Verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So the promise has been given. God poured out His Spirit. Now we're supposed to receive that by faith. Hallelujah. This is an experience of spiritual thirst and of coming to Christ to drink of the Spirit by faith until filled to overflowing. The blood and the bread must be accompanied by fire. For we have blood-washed, bread-nourished Christians who have been well taught in the Word of life who still lack fire. Amen. Amen. But think about it. Some think it no more than fanaticism. Oh, you guys are just those religious fanatics that do all that crazy stuff. No, we're just believers that do God's stuff. Amen. Amen. So think about it. Some even mistake the indwelling for the infilling. Amen. Honey, let, 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 let me see your water bottle. So, if I drink this, it's in me. Now, I'm not going to pour this on myself, so I'm going to pour it on Eli to illustrate this. <laughs> but how many know there's a difference between the two words, in and upon? So, if I try to make upon the same as in... If I try to define what the Holy Spirit is given upon me to do as the same thing that the Holy Spirit is in me to do, who's missing out? Me. Because the Holy Spirit in me is Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, gentleness, temperance, meekness, faith. All, all the character, the nature of God is produced in me. First Peter said that, that through exceeding great First Second Peter one. We've been given exceeding precious promises, and we've been made partakers of the divine nature. We have the, we're born again, and God puts his nature in us, and God is inwardly transforming us and conforming us to the image of Christ. So the Spirit of God works in me. Jesus said he has been with you, he shall be in you, and he will be upon you. And so the fire, if I, if I just have the, the God in me, that's great. But God wants you to have the anointing of God upon you so that he can work through you and reach the world through you and use you to bring others into relationship with him. Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses according to the power that I place upon it. So some mistake the indwelling for the infilling. This has left the church largely behind closed doors. After the resurrection, all the disciples went into the upper room and hid because they were afraid. And it wasn't until the day of Pentecost and the Spirit of God came upon them that they burst out of the upper room and into the world with the power of the gospel. You see, just like before Pentecost, while believers try to stir up a fire from their own sparks instead of being set on fire by God. In all actuality, I could stand here long enough and probably fold these long enough. And if I did it long enough, I could, I could figure out how to get enough friction.
God's like over here. How's it going for you? How you doing? Doing good. I'm going to do great things for God. Ow. The Lord says, let me help you. Wow. That easy? I can be set on fire by God? That easy? Absolutely. Hallelujah. Instead of being set on fire by God, we're trying to ignite our own sparks. Vance Havner said this too. Anyone who seeks to burn for God, anyone who seeks to burn for God, will have to go deeper than sentence prayers and occasional wishful thinking. We must possess a holy heartburn for God and a consuming desire for the fullness of the Spirit. I love that quote. God will reward the man who forsakes and forgets all else in seeking the double portion of power with God and men. The ushers will come and prepare communion. The men and women of God that God uses have paid a price in prevailing prayer. These are those men and women who arise from prayer confident in His power, inflamed with His fire, and filled with the boldness of the Holy Spirit. It's my prayer for every one of you that you will come to know and live in the trinity of the full experience of Christ. That you come to be washed by the blood. Accept God's forgiveness for your life. Let me just say this. There's some of you in here today. There's one major thing you have to do. That's forgive yourself. God's forgiven you. God will never bring your past up against you. And you need to quit bringing up your past to yourself. You need to quit condemning yourself for what God's forgiven you of. Whatever mistakes you've made, whatever past you've had, it's under the blood. And God says this, when I see the blood, I pass over. God does not hold her past. Listen to the Apostle Paul. Listen to the amazing statement of the Apostle Paul. The man who persecuted had Christians put to death. Put in prison, ripped families apart, had people tortured for living for the faith in Christ. <clears throat> and this is what he said. This one thing I do, I forget the past. I will not hold myself accountable to what God's forgiven me of. Are you doing all right? And so it's so hard for us sometimes to forgive ourselves. Even in that area, that, that's where Christians, where, where the Bible tells that that's that shaky ground. That, that, that if I'm declared that I'm going to live for Christ, I've given my life to Him, I accept His benefit, and I've been walking with Him, and then I allow myself to get pulled back into old lifestyles, old habits, old conduct. What I do is I condemn myself. Because God said there's a way. 1 John 2 said, my brethren, I write to you that you do not sin. But if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father. Can I tell you right now that Jesus Christ is pleading your case? Jesus Christ will always be your defense. He will always rise to, to defend you before the Father. Those are my children. I know they made a mistake, but they're covered by the blood. He always gets us an audience with God, and He always rises up in our defense. If we'll just confess our sin, look, He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Bow your heads with me this morning. If you're here today and that's you, then I just pray God's grace over your life to be able to forgive yourself right now in Jesus' name. 
Father, I thank you, God, that you're speaking to somebody's heart today. Lord, that you want to set them free by the power of your forgiveness. God, that they could release themselves from that weight, that burden of yesterday, old mistakes, old failures, old things, everything the enemy uses to condemn them to themselves when, God, you've forgiven them by yourself. Father, I pray your forgiveness over them right now in Jesus' name. Now, if there's anything you need to confess out of your life, any activity, any conduct, if you're doing things that you know are not right, and you're operating in any way that you're doing, uh, not, not counting the blood the way you should, considering how holy what you're about to partake of, the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has taken your sin. Come on, if you've tried to justify your behavior in any area, just ask for forgiveness right now. Just repent right now. I can't pray that prayer for you. There's one prayer nobody can pray for you. That's your prayer of repentance. Nobody can repent for you. People can pray. We can pray that people come to repentance. But nobody can repent for you. If there's anything you need to confess before Christ. Because as we read that that morning in Hebrew. If I partake of communion. And I don't rightly judge this. Then the Bible says I'm trotting underfoot. The Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. Father, today we just open our hearts to you. We ask for your forgiveness, God. Lord, you know our hearts, you know our lives. Lord, we confess our sin before you. And we thank you that you are faithful and just to cleanse us and to forgive us. And we receive your forgiveness and your grace. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Lord, we follow your instructions. Because you said as often as you will, do this in remembrance of me. So Lord, today we hold in our hands simple elements just to remind us to remember that you gave your body to be broken to us. That you bore our shame, our pain, our guilt, all of our iniquity, our brokenness, all sickness, all disease, everything connected, every consequence connected to our transgression. You took and nailed it to your cross and allowed your body to be broken that we might be healed and made whole. So Lord, today we remember and we thank you and we consecrate our lives to you in truth and holiness in remembrance and we receive your wholeness in our lives in Jesus name would you receive the bread with me time you take the bread and you put that in your mouth individually and you bite down it's symbolic of your sin breaking his body that individual application of God's redemption for me 
He's my personal God. He took my sin, and it was my sin. If nobody else in the whole world had ever sinned, he would have gone to the cross just for you or for me to take and become broken for us. Lord, today we hold in our hands this simple cup that reminds us that your living blood was shed to redeem us from death. The life of the flesh is in the blood. And you shed your life so we could be cleansed and receive your life. So Lord, today we thank you for the cleansing, redeeming power of your blood. We thank you that as we have confessed our sins, your blood declares that we are forgiven, we are renewed, we are restored. And everything we've ever done is covered by the blood. So we thank you, Father, for redemption, healing, justification, righteousness that is now ours through the shed blood of our Savior, your Son, Jesus Christ. And we receive it humbly in Jesus' name. Do you receive the cup with me? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm encourage you. Maybe next week or the week after, I'm going to do another message just on the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to encourage you, if you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to encourage you to open your Bible and read through the book of Acts. Begin to read what Jesus said. Read the Gospel of John. John 14, 15, and 16. Read everything Jesus said about the Holy Spirit and the promise of the Father. And then just say, God, I want to be set on fire. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm an opportunist from this point. Meaning that if God's given me an opportunity to partake of anything, I'm going to take a part. I want to take advantage of that opportunity. Amen. I want to be a part of that. And so that's what I encourage you. So in a couple of weeks, we're going to pray for you to be baptized with the Holy Spirit if you haven't. But one way to do it is prepare our hearts. Because I can't win you over with an argument. We're not called to argue. We're just called to present truth. And if I ever get hungry for the truth, I won't try to argue myself out of it anymore. Amen? So we're going to minister that. But I want to read this blessing over you today. Would you stand with me this morning? I just want to declare God's blessing over you. Man, what a great day. You know the greatest valentine you can ever have is God. Amen. He loved you even before you loved him. Amen. My wife loved me before I ever loved her. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So let me declare the blessing over you today. Be blessed with God's supernatural wisdom and clear direction for life. Be blessed with creativity, courage, ability, and abundance. Be blessed with self-control and self-discipline. Be blessed with a great family, good friends, and good health. Be blessed with faith, favor, and fulfillment. Be blessed with success, supernatural strength, promotion, and divine protection. Be blessed with an obedient heart and a positive outlook on life. Be blessed in the city and in the country when you go in and when you come out. Any negative word that has ever been spoken over you 
I break now in the name of Jesus. Everything you put your hand to will prosper and succeed. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I declare your word and your blessing sealed over your people. Father, I thank you for health, for life, for strength, provision, protection over their families, over their lives, over every area. I thank you, Holy Spirit. You are going to continue to lead and to guide your people into all truth in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hold on to the truth of God's word. We love you so much.